through your presence in this moment. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's amongst us. We declare tonight Jesus is Lord over this meeting, over our hearts, over our minds. We have overflow from the Spirit of grace. We declare that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Lord of this world, is worthy to be praised. Our heart is for you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We can do nothing without you. We thank you for the wonderful grace and mercy of God. Fill this place, Lord. Let your presence fall upon every individual here, your children, Lord. Let them leave today different than they came in. Let them know the goodness and the mercies of Jesus Christ. It's not by power nor by might, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Show us another glimpse of you, Father. We thank you for your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful grace. We thank you for what Jesus did on that cross. You call us sons and daughters. The whole of heaven rejoices. But worthy is the Lamb that to be praised. Angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. We pour, pour our, our agenda, Lord, we put it on the altar of forgiveness. Put it on the altar of the cross. It's not my will, but your will be done. We thank you, Lord, that you have not left us nor forsaken us. You're a loving Father who loves his children. We honor you, Lord. We thank you for what you have started within us. And Lord, you will bring it to completion. We give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. Welcome. Everyone, it's good to see you guys again. Hallelujah. I know everyone's been through a lot in the last few months, which is probably an understatement. You know, I said to someone the other day, he said, oh, I've, I've been going through some stuff. I said, well, you've been through it. <laughs> Rejoice in what you've been through. And uh, Psalm 23 says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for he is with us. And there's times that we don't understand why things happen and, 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 and what to do, but we understand that God loves us and he has not left us nor forsaken us. Can anyone say amen? Hallelujah. We have to come out of the notion that God is for us and not against us. If we call him Father, Father God, is he your Father? If we call Jesus our Savior, is he your Savior, our Lord? 
Is He your Lord? We ask for the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of truth, to guide us into all truth. Are, are we being guided? And tonight's message is, is, is more to start off the year is I want to keep it simple as, much as possible, but I wanted to share that we can go from, we need to go from relationship into fellowship. From relationship into fellowship. We can be in relationship with someone, but never have any fellowship with someone. You can be related to someone, but never see them. Never spend time with them. You never get to know them. True? And sometimes I'm afraid that that happens to us in the church. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. We confess Jesus as Lord. We have the Holy Spirit, but we never have any fellowship with Him. I'll, give you, I'll let you a little secret. God's desiring to fellowship with us more than we desire to fellowship with Him. And sometimes we need to get this religious thinking out of our head that God is sitting like this waiting for us to come. Yeah, he says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. But He's longing to sit with you. No one believes me. He's longing to sit with us, to have fellowship with us. Because if He didn't, He wouldn't have sent Christ, put Him on a cross to die the most brutal death and rise again to give us new life. Then he says, but I'm going and I'll send you the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who guide you into all truth, to live with you, amongst you, to teach you, to help you, to comfort you. Doesn't that sound like someone doesn't want to get to know you? And yet we reject that because of whatever reason, because we say we're in fellowship. We're Christians. We believe Jesus and have no fellowship with Him. And it's a sad thing, you know, I was sharing with my son on the way here, some of the people's most regret when someone dies, whether it's a grandmother or an uncle or a brother or a sister or a mother, for whatever reasons, the most common thing you would ask them, what would you want back is, I wish I spent more time with them. I don't hear many times, I wish you left me the house, the car and the dog and the cat. <laughs> or he could have done this for me. 95% of the time you hear, I wish I spent more time with them. Fellowship. Isn't that true? What would you, that someone that you're close to you passes away and 10 years from now, you go, I wish I could just have one more conversation with that person. Or I remember that time she sat with me. It's fellowship. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren or the fellowship of one another. It's very important that we fellowship with one another, but it's more important that we fellowship with God and through his word. See, the Bible is not just a book of instructions although we can be instructed by it. It's not just a book of moral laws, although there's a lot of morality that we could abide by. It's not just a book of boundaries, because it is. It's not just a historical book. It's, there's so much to the Bible, but it's the book, it's the heartbeat of God for us in fellowship. You know, you can, you can, you can always see where someone's at. I can quote a scripture and I can... Know the scripture, quote the scripture, believe, but not ever walk in that scripture. I can quote something, I can promote what I'm quoting, but never walk in it in reality because I haven't spent time in fellowship. To get to know someone, what's the best way to get to know someone? It's not a trick question. <laughs> spend time with them. The more I get to know someone, when I met Rab, it was probably six, seven years ago. I met him. Then we spent time together. We traveled together. We, our families met. We got to know each other more and more. 
He loved me very much because I was funny, he reckons, but no. <laughs> but the more you get to spend time with someone, you get to know them. The more we spend time with one another, you get to know each other. When I met my wife, you know, we, we started going out and we got to know each other. But who said, we, we got married, now we're in a husband and wife relationship, but does this stop there because you got married? Or you have to get to know each other, keep going. You find out stuff about them 10 years, 20 years from now. Sometimes you regret that you went that way. Not for me, maybe. <laughs> but you get to know one another. And it's not just talking to one another. A look on your face or a hand gesture. When you know someone well, you're familiar with them. Are you with me? The Jews at the time of Jesus, were in relationship with God through a covenant from Moses. And also a covenant that God made to Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham. He promised Abraham that he'd be the father of many. Moses comes along and gives them the law, which is the Ten Commandments. But we not just have the Ten Commandments, we have the ceremonial law and the sacrificial laws and the moral laws and all these other laws that they had to keep, which was how to kill a lamb and sacrifice it, how to dress, what to do, what not to do. It was all these different laws that they had to keep because God was, 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 was showing them that if you want to abide, I'm a holy God. So he gave them all these laws knowing they couldn't keep them. Then he says, because you can't keep them because you're a sinful creature, I'm going to give you a way out with the sacrificial ceremonies, killing a lamb and doing all these things that the priest would go into the holy holies and do a the ministry to God on behalf of the people. And then Jesus comes along and now he's having this conversation and he's preaching stuff that they don't like. And one of the things he says that I'm from my father. He goes, what? You're claiming to be equal with God because you're saying you're his son? He's forgiving people. Only God can forgive. He's healing people. Only God can heal. And they didn't like any of this. And I've got written down here, the relationship that God had with the Israelites back in those days was through the law or the Torah, the book of Moses. And they had to observe all the requirements of the law. He knows they can't keep the law. He knows that we're sinners and we're going to break the law. All right, so let's just get that ready. It's not a shock to God when you sin or when they sinned. So he understood that I've got to teach these guys. See, you've got to remember when God, Moses gave the law to Moses, the Israelites were in slavery for over 400 years. They had all the promises that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Solomon. They had all these people. But they were in slavery now. And generation after generation after generation, all they ever knew was bondage and slavery. And I'm afraid sometimes we're like that. We get come to church, we get saved, but all we've ever known is bondage. And we're slaves to that bondage. Whatever you're a slave to, that's your master in any area of your life. And Jesus says, I'll come to set the captives free and to heal the brokenhearted. But they had to observe all these laws. And so God gave them a law because there was something about the Jewish people. They believed in all the promises, but guess what? They didn't know how to live it out because their nature was of a person of as a slave. Imagine just sitting there every day, generation after generation, all they ever see is slavery, bondage. Pharaoh. And yet they get now they're free. He comes to Moses and sets them free. And now 
it gets a bit tough out there in the desert. There's no food. There's no water. He says, send us back to Egypt. At least we had food. Isn't that how quick we can go back to bondage? And you know what God said to Moses? Tell them to let my people go so they can worship me in the desert. He wanted to have a relationship with those people, but they couldn't because their hearts were so set on bondage. But Moses had a relationship with him. What they didn't realize that the law was a signpost. The law was a mirror. So if when you look at the Ten Commandments, and this is just, I know it's basic for some people, but if you look at the Ten Commandments, who has not broken the Ten Commandments? We've all broken the Ten Commandments. If getting to heaven is to keep the Ten Commandments, we're all going to hell. I have the first one there. Jesus said, if you can keep nine of them and break one, you've broken them all to him. So why give us a law that's so hard to keep knowing that we can't keep it? Have you ever asked that question? It's too hard. But God in his wisdom said, I want to show you who I really am. A perfect holy God. This is my character and this is my nature. And I don't sway. I don't drop the bar down for you or for anyone. But what I will do, I'll show you who I am and I'm going to show you who you are, but I'm going to send Jesus to bring you up to where I am. Amen. The mirror was to show me I'm a sinner and I need a saviour. The Bible says that the, the law was a signpost or a schoolmaster showing you that you're a sinner and broken and there's nothing good in you, but there's only one that's good, which is Jesus. When I give my life to Jesus, and he's talking to the Pharisees, I don't want to jump the gun. I wrote here, it was like a school, the law is a schoolmaster showing you that you can't keep the law or satisfy God by the law, but it was pointing to Jesus. I'm a sinner, and the only way I can be saved is through a saviour. But when he gave him the law, he gave him a way out. He showed him mercy and grace by killing a lamb. And the lamb would become the substitute for them. And he would pay the price. And then the high priest would make that offering and God would forgive their sins. But the problem was they were still the same people. It didn't change who they really were. It just covered them up, blotted it out for a while. But God had a better plan, amen. So someone say better plan. God wanted to have a relationship with people so much. He just didn't want a bunch of people to keep a set of rules and moral obligations and ceremonial obligations and religious obligations. God didn't send Jesus down just so we can keep some moral laws and rules and say, look at us. He wanted to have an intimate relationship with his fellowship, with his people. Now, the question is this. How can a holy God have any part with unholy people? How would a sinner approach God who has, who is, a, the Bible says, a consuming fire? Moses says, I want to see your face, God. He goes, no one can see the face of God and live. But he hid him in the cleft of the rock and he walked by him. He walked by, he saw the back of God in a sense. And he glowed. So God had a better plan. And I want to share with you how you can be in a relationship but never be in fellowship. And that to me is sadder than a sinner in the street. Because I can come into a relationship with God and say God is my father and Jesus is my saviour but never spend time with him, never get to know him. And what did Jesus say? On that day, many will call me Lord, Lord. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. That's probably the scariest scripture in the Bible. <laughs> he says, I've done this in your name. I've done that in your name. I've prophesied your name. He says, I never knew you. 
And the word, I never knew you, is the same word to have an intimate relationship. Like a man knew Mary did not know Joseph until the firstborn. Uh, or a man will know his wife on their wedding day. It's the same word as an intimate relationship. So Jesus is saying, I never knew you because you never spent time with me. I don't know who you are. Now, doesn't God know everybody? Come on. What he was saying is you never spent the time with me to get to know each other. You know, if more people did things the right way, many people would spend time with one another and, and not jump into certain aspects of their life, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a, uh, or a part of your life, and spent time. See, in the old days, they never dated. In the Jewish time, in the old days, there's no such thing as dating. It was, it was courting. So you'd meet a girl, then the parents would meet, you'd meet the family, and everyone would meet each other to make sure that this is the right fit. What do we say today? I'm not marrying the family, I'm marrying her. You married the family, guys. Both sides, all right? So courting was to get to know each other, where dating is to impress each other. See, we're not here, God's not trying to impress us. We're not trying to impress God, we're trying to get to know Him in an intimate relationship. Let's go to John chapter 8. I think it's going to be on the screen. I want to show you a bit of a smackdown, Jesus and the Pharisees. They had this conversation. John chapter 8, verse 37. But before that, Jesus was talking about to the Pharisees that whoever's a slave, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If my words abide in you and I will come and live with you, you'll be free. And the Pharisee comes up and says, We've, we're not slaves. We've never been slaves to anyone. Uh, hello, 400 years in Egypt. <laughs> See the arrogance of these guys. But Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. But you'll be made free. And then he talks about the father. And then and we'll pick it up from verse 37. Beautiful. Is that New King James? Yeah, sweet. Look what he says here. Now, Jesus is talking to this Pharisee. This is Jesus talking to the Jewish Pharisees who had a relationship with God through the law, yeah? They were in charge of the, the temple. They were in charge of the Jewish faith. They're all part of this. So they're priests and, and lawyers and scribes and all these different people. Just to give you a background for those who don't read their Bible. No condemnation. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do, and you do what you have seen with your father. Then they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, from God, Abraham did not do this. You do these deeds of your own father. We'll stop there for a second. So he's saying, the words I get are from my father. And he's saying, but you are of your father. Because if you were Abraham's children, you wouldn't look to kill me. And you would accept my words. But you don't accept my words because you're not from the father. You do the deeds of your father. Who was he referring to the Jew as their father? Look what it says, next verse. Praise God, you know. He says, we are not, look at this, but your deeds of your father. But then they said to him, we are not born of fornication or illegitimate. 
We have one father, God. So they are, they're going, Abraham is our father. He goes, <laughs> before he says, I can make stones. Out of these stones, I make children of Abraham. Because we're not, you know what they were saying here, guys? We're not like you, Jesus, born of fornication. Because Mary was, Mary was engaged to Joseph and then the Holy Spirit came upon her and got pregnant. They knew the story. Come on, man. They're Arabs. They're wogs. They, 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 they gossip. <laughs> it's not a secret that Mary fell pregnant. And he's saying, you're telling us, because we're not children illegitimate. Another translation says illegitimate. Another translation says, we're not bastard children. We know our father. He's God. So they went from Abraham. Now they're going to God. I love what Jesus does. Hey. So read between the lines. They were accusing him of being illegitimate. You don't know what you're talking about. We know what happened to you. Hallelujah. Look what he says. If God were your father, you would have loved me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. You are of the father, the devil. Imagine saying that to these guys. <laughs> you are out of your father, the devil. And, he, and you and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand for the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks to a lie, he speaks from his own resources or his own nature. That's who he is. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not want to hear it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not want to believe me, sorry. Which, which of, the, of you convicts me of sin? And I'll tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? He who is God, he is God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. These are religious people who have control of the temple. They've got the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. They're the ones that God's ordained to carry the word of the Torah throughout the world. And Jesus comes along and says, you are of the devil. They thought they had a relationship with God through the law of Moses. They thought they had a relationship with God because of Abraham. Then they say, we are children of God. And he's saying, you're of the devil because you don't understand my words. Because if you would, you would have been of God. But you didn't understand my words. You have no fellowship with God. You think you're related to God through the law and through the temple and through genealogy and through all your ancestors. But guess what? You have no fellowship with him. You don't know him. And I'm afraid that we can be like that. We can come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, hang a cross on our neck, have a Bible, come to church, come to Bible study and never spend time with him. And then we just go around the mountain like the Egyptians. Why is God doing this to me? Why isn't God doing that for me? Why is the devil doing this to me? Why is it? And we never spend time with him. Because you know, let me ask you, let's be honest here. Let's just pull out all the garbage. If Jesus walked in the door now from heaven, stood here, would everyone be scared? If you had fear, fear would leave because you know you stand next to Jesus. If you had any sickness, would you still be sick? Let's be honest. You wouldn't be sick. Would you have any anxiety because Jesus stood next to you? Was there any, anything in your life that you'd have? A, would you have a care in the world if Jesus walked and stood next to you? You wouldn't. But when we get to know him, we could become like him. See, grace is unmerited favor. We are saved by grace and not by works, Yeah. But God's been on my case lately, so I'm going to be sharing about grace. But grace is also a person. His name is Jesus. 
We say we're under grace, but grace is also a teaching to deny ungodliness. Grace is also an enabler to have us overcome in every situation. But I'm afraid we say we're under grace and we do nothing. We don't spend time with Him. We don't fast. We don't pray. We don't read our word. And we say, but we're under grace. You're under an illusion. Because when the devil comes and gives you a punch in the head or when the life comes and gives you a punch in the head, you crumble because you don't know him. You know, I often say Jesus was, was preaching and the Pharisees weren't very happy with him. And then he got word, he was in another town. He got word that Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dying or is dead or was dying from memory. And they said, oh, you better come. He says, nah, he's not dead. He's just asleep. And the disciples looked at him, oh, okay. Four days later, he said, let's go. Where are we going, Lord? Let's go back and see Lazarus. And Thomas says, why are we going back there? If you read it, he says, okay, let's just go with him and die. Because they were getting attacked by the Pharisees. They were after, they were after Jesus in there. And look what he says. Thomas goes, where are we going? He goes, back to, to see Lazarus. He goes, Thomas says, oh, well, let's just go and die with him. In other words, we're going back into the battle. They're going to kill us. But Thomas was smart enough to know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die with Jesus because I'm safer with him than anyone else. He understood the grace and mercy of God because he says, wherever you're going, Jesus, I'm going because even though I'm thinking they're going to kill us, I'll just go with you. And that's the grace of God for our life, that he's with us in all aspects of our life. See, when we spend time with the Holy Spirit, now, don't misunderstand me. Just reading the Bible is not fellowship. That's a good place to start. How do you read it? Rabs talks about this a lot. How do you read it? Are you trying to get something out of it? Or are you, is it like this, like a, a, like a genie in a bottle? I quote three scriptures three times a day and it's like rubbing a lamp and hoping the genie pops up and gives me what I want. <coughs> a lot of the times I spend time with God. Yeah, Lord, what are we going to do? And by the end, I'm finished. I'm sorry, Lord, I repent. Because there's stuff in me that needs to die still. But I won't know that if I don't spend time with him. I know enough to know now after 19 years that no matter if I'm in a dark place, a sinful place, not a happy place, I'm still going to him. Because no matter where I'm supposed to be, I want to be with him. Imagine getting, imagine God cares enough to rebuke you. We look at it, God rebukes me. Oh, I'm going to rebuke. God rebukes those he loves. He loves you. And the Pharisees, the Jews, had a relationship through laws and regulations, which was of God, but had no fellowship. Abraham had fellowship with God. The Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. Moses had a relationship with God. And a lot of the Jewish people did because a lot of them came to Jesus, like Nicodemus and, and many people ministered to, unto the Lord. But what I want to share with you is that fellowship is so important because it's not just good enough to have a relationship with God without fellowship with God. Are you getting this? It's a very sad place that you're saved for 10 years, 20 years, and you can't tell me a thing about the Lord. All I hear is the problems you've had and the disaster you've been through. And I'm not taking away what you've been through. But at some point, listen to me, at some point you either believe the gospel or you don't. It's how much you want of the gospel. God will give you. God's not holding back. If God didn't withhold Jesus, the jewel of heaven, the, the, the grace of God, the mercy of God, he didn't hold him back. He sent him to sinners to die. Why do you think he's going to hold anything off from you? 
The problem is we don't know what we want because we haven't spent time to hear what he was willing to give us. So when I spend time with the Lord, I get to know the Lord. When I spend time, I get to know the Lord. See, everything is by grace. I need his grace and mercy to get me over hurdles. I need his grace and mercy to just be, to survive in this world. Uh, it's his mercy and grace and the spirit of grace to teach me that I'm a son and no longer a slave. I don't have to act and think like this anymore. Why? Because I am a new creation in Christ. No longer I live. doesn't matter where you've come from. Listen, we're going to get over the fact that my mother was like this, my father's like this, my generation's like this. No, no, no. I'm a new creation in Christ. No longer I live, which means no longer I come from a heritage. The heritage is good, but it's not my salvation. My heritage is in the Lord because I'm a new creation. See, God understood that the law would bind us because the law is holy, the Bible says. But as we, because of our fleshly, sinful nature, we can't keep the law. So he sent Jesus who fulfilled the law died on our place, abolished, didn't abolish the law, he fulfilled it, but abolished the requirements that's against me, which is the curses, which is the punishment. I'm in Christ, and guess what happens? He puts a new nature on the inside of me. Now I'm going to work out of your new nature now. I'm going to change your whole identity. And then I'm going to work from the inside out, where the law works from the outside in. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Because God can't work in a, in a nature of something that has no ability. Like you can't teach a dog to write. There's nothing in that dog can, that can write. That's his nature is to be a dog, yeah? Well, we were, our nature was sinful and he can't put righteousness in sin. So he changes our nature into the new nature or godly divine nature through the blood of Jesus, through his spirit, and now I can teach you from the inside out. And that's why we fast, to deny the flesh. That's why we pray in tongues, to bypass our natural mind, to hear from what God's doing. That's why we worship, because whatever you worship, you become. I heard this great statement, Pastor Dave Robeson the other day. Someone posted something out of the blue because he just passed, he went on to be home with the Lord. Some people know him, some people don't. He said in his preaching, and it's amazing what this man's done, the time he spent with the Lord. And like he'd go to 500,000 crusades in India and preach with an interpreter and people just get healed and delivered and set free. It was amazing. He said this, when I worship God and minister to God, I've always said that when, when I, you worship what you, be, you become what you worship. True? You've heard me say that. Whatever you worship, the Bible says wherever your heart, your treasure of your heart is, that's where you are. You love money, all you'll be doing is ripping people off. If you love you know, you get the story. <laughs> he says, he was saying this and it's just, oh man, it was amazing. He said, when I minister to God, it's not for God because God doesn't need ministry. God doesn't need to be redeemed. God's not depressed. God's not sick. God's not uh, anxious. God's got no fear. But when I minister to God, I get the blessing because when I minister unto him, he ministered me back. God doesn't need our God hasn't got any insecurity problems or God doesn't need me to tell him he's good. God is love. God is good. God is merciful. That's who he is. Not what he does. That's who he is. But when I worship him and I praise him and I declare his word over my life, I'm like, guess what? I get the benefit because he wants to bless us. 
Does that make sense? That's why worship is so important. And I'm not just singing, singing. I'm just singing, walking around the house with no music and just saying how good he is. I love you, Jesus, how good. You can't tell God how much you love him. He doesn't tell you he loves you back. You can't say hello to God. He says, I'm not going to answer that. But we're going to break the shackles and understand that when we spend time with him, we'll become like him. But he starts from the inside out. I read this uh, down here. 1 John, the scripture, 1 John 1, 3, 4. Encourage you tonight. You know, the minute I, I got a revelation of praying in tongues, I put down the law. That's what I'm going to do. That's it. Three hours today. Lasted 10 minutes. Tomorrow, I'm going to read for two hours. Lasted five minutes. When I started putting all these laws on me, couldn't do it. Then I made a decision. It's not going to be a law. I want to spend time with you, Jesus. Then in one hour, 10 minutes went to 20 minutes, went to an hour because I wanted to. Then I was praying in tongues in the car. Didn't have to be just in, the, in my bedroom by myself because I can't shut up for more than five minutes by myself. I start itching. Why are you all laughing? <laughs> like going hunting with rabs. You'll sit for eight hours to shoot one pig. I can't shut up for two seconds. Like a... <laughs> What's this rabs? Come on, let's go. He goes, shh. But what I'm trying to say is when I, when I went from I have to do it to I want to do it, it was a big difference. Then I saw the benefit of it because I was spending, I was having experiences with God. Like, you know, the biggest thing for me, can I be honest with you? In the beginning of my walk, it was like, God would show me something and then we're in a Bible studies or, or whatever and God would move what he just showed me and I, you know what for me was, look at me, you know what was, you actually trust me with that? Because you didn't know, I know me better than you know me. I a lot of insecurities, a lot of fears and a lot of, and, and he, he trusts me with that even though I wasn't perfect but he was willing to show me things and share his heart with me. He's want to do, he wants to do it with you too. See, the anointing of God isn't for the black up here or for the guy on TV. It's for everybody. You need an anointing to raise your kids. You need an anointing to run a business. You need an anointing to be a father. You need an anointing to have family. You need an anointing to have in-laws. You need double portion there, I think. <laughs> you need God's presence in every area of your life. You know, sharing with someone yesterday or two days ago, I said, Talking about peace. I said, if, if the world can give you peace, and, and I'll explain what I'm trying to say. If I get my peace from my job, for what I own, for where I go, where I live, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's where my peace is, then I'm getting peace from the world, yeah? But then the world can take it off me. But if I get my peace from God, no one can touch my peace. That doesn't mean I don't have a job. and have it. What I'm saying is if, if the be-all and end-all of my life is what I do, what I earn, what I, can, what I can get out of it, then tomorrow they pull the plug like they did with COVID and guess what? Your peace is gone. Your joy is gone because it's all reliant on the world. But when Paul says I'm content in all things, whether I have or don't have, I've been shipwrecked, I've been whipped, I've had food, I haven't had food, I've had money, I'm content in all things because I know who my Lord is. So when I get the peace of God in my life, so you can have the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can be happy for, you go out and have a happy day and go home and be miserable because you've got no joy. See, my joy is in the Lord. 
Do we go through emotional roller coasters? Yeah, you do. I run a business. Raz runs a business. Sometimes we don't get paid and we think, okay, we've got bills to pay. Don't misunderstand me, your natural emotions. What I'm saying is, but I still don't trust in that. I trust in my Lord because he's never left me nor forsaken me. See, if the world can give me the peace and the joy and the happiness I want, then the world can take it off me. For those who are hooked on social media, if people like you today and you feel good about that, the same people can hate you tomorrow and you, you're controlled by what the world is telling you. But we're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world because our peace comes from Jesus. Are you with me? Are we one John yet? Yeah. Who is this? And that which we have seen and heard. John's talking. He says, we've, before this, he's talking about what he's seen and heard from the Lord, what they saw in their natural. He says, and that we, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus. In other words, we're here having fellowship with one another. Yeah, but truly we're having fellowship with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. If you're offended about something, your all offense is towards God. If, you're, if you have unforgiveness to someone, it's against God. Next scripture. What's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mine, sorry, jump page. So we have fellowship with the, and his son, Jesus Christ, and these things we write to you that your joy may be fulfilled or filled, full. I want you to hear something for me. Hear me by the Spirit. Now, I want you just to understand something. Whatever you do in the natural affects in the Spirit. You know, the, the, the Scripture says that, how can you say you love God but you hate the, your brother? How can you say that you, the brother you can see you hate, but you say you love God that you can't see? You know, that, that little portion applies to every area of your life, every area of your life, not just about hatred. Because how do I, I don't trust anyone. Okay, I don't trust anyone for my salvation, for my provision, for my healing. But if I say I don't trust anyone, that's it, I don't trust anyone, or I trust God, you're lying to yourself. Because how can you not trust someone? Every day you stop at a set of lights, you're trusting because you don't know the guy that programmed the lights, that both green lights will come on at the same time and you have a car crash. You're trusting. True. But people say, I don't trust anyone because you've been hurt. But see, until I start to trust again and be vulnerable, guess what happens? God's trust can flow through you. Forgiveness. Oh, God's forgiven me, but you won't forgive anyone. No, no, you're lying to yourself. Because God's forgiveness won't flow through you. Isn't it funny? We want to be forgiven, but as soon as someone does something to us, we want them written off. And God spoke about bitterness, offense, and forgiveness more than anything. Because they're the three things that bind most people. I'm bitter. I'm twisted. And what happens is you might be bitter today and then get over it, but that bitterness, if it's not dealt with, will go, grow is like a root, like a tree root, and will end up in every area of your life. Maybe 30 years from now will come up. Because we don't trust. But when we fellowship with God or one another, we have the joy of the Lord in us because we're spending time with him. We get to know him. You know his character. You know he's not going to let you down. You know, sometimes when you ask God for something, he says, no, that's an answer to prayer. We say, God didn't answer me. Yes, he did. He said, no. No is an answer. God knows what's better for us. We don't tell God what to do. He shows us a better way. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 
says, the grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, another translation says fellowship, of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Again, talking about fellowship. Now, you can go through every letter of Paul. It starts off with the grace and mercy of God and talks about fellowship. Grace and mercy of God talks about fellowship. Don't forsake the... The, don't forsake the word. Why? He knew enough to know that just getting slayed in the spirit and getting an encounter with the Holy Spirit one day and having an encounter from heaven and seeing angels do not change you. Yeah, great. We need to see, we're going to see more of that. But that's not the, the essence. It's having fellowship with the one who loves you. 10 lepers got healed. The Bible says they were healed. But one said, thank you. And the Bible says he was made whole. He was complete then because of thanksgiving. Philippians 2, 1, 2. I love this one. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy, this is Paul speaking, by being like-minded, having the same love, bearing in one accord of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambitions or conceit, but in lowness of mind and set each other esteem others higher than yourself. Let each one of you, one of you look at not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. The word here in the beginning says, if you've received the love of God and you have received the ministry of Christ and received the Holy Spirit, if you've received all that, then go and pour it out to others. Then it comes through fellowship. I know there's a season where it's about you because you're struggling or you're, you're doing it tough or you're not sure. That's okay. But if you stay there, the greatest way to get out of a depression is go help someone else. I think I've said this story once before. It's only a silly, silly analogy. But I was doing boot camp many years ago. I don't know why I went back and did that. And then I did a, like a 4K run. When I was playing footy, I hated 4K runs. Now I'm retired 20 years and I'm running. And I'm thinking, nah. So there's a, there's a park at Doyle Park in Parramatta and it's, it's 1K radius. By the second K, I'm going, I'm going to die. By the third K, I thought, there's a toilet block over there. As soon as I get out of the trainer's view, I'm going to stop. <laughs> and I'm running. And all of a sudden I'm running. And as I'm running, I'm about to stop. And there's a lady in front of me lady and she's beating me and she, I'm thinking I'm doing it tough if they're beating me and I'm running and all of a sudden she stopped just before the um the toilet and I'm thinking just go a bit further so they can't see us you know <laughs> <clears throat> and I got there and I actually it was the third lap we were doing 4k so I was going I got close to the, the lady I said and somebody come over and said don't stop you can do this you can do this so she started running he said don't worry you can do it so I'm talking to this lady I'm ready to vomit uh, I'm having a heart attack I need oxygen. But I'm talking this lady through it. And we got around the bend. There was another, I don't know, 100, 200, 300 meters to go. I don't know. When you're dying with uh, no oxygen, it's like 6 million Ks away. So we went around the bend. And I'm talking her through it. She kept going. She going. And I'm ready to. And we got over the line. And we, as we crossed the line, I said, good on you. You did it. And I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to die. And in the midst of all that, I'm going, it was weird. The Holy Spirit spoke the loudest I've ever heard him. In the natural, I'm going to go, wait. I was gone. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, 
when you took your focus off yourself and on someone else, I'll get you over the line. So I was ready to stop. And that little analogy, I'm trust, I'm, I'm dying. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. When I took my focus off myself, because I was stopping. <laughs> but I know it's a silly analogy, but think about this for a second. If that's in the natural, how much more in the spirit? How much more in the spirit? Someone said to me once, get a life. You're always doing this and you're always doing that. You're always going here and you're always going there, like about the, the Lord. He says, no, you want a life. Isn't it funny that you want, fellow, you want ministry, but you want me to get a life? So in other words, you're happy for me to come to me, but you're not willing to give anything to anyone else. You know what Jesus calls you? I don't want to know. I said, like, <laughs> it's not just about us. It's about him and what his desire is for someone else. I thank God someone prayed for me. I thank God someone tapped me on the shoulder and told me about Jesus. I thank God so you don't know the you won't get when you get to heaven, you'll know how many encounters you've had and God sent you. Even when you didn't think that, you think, oh my God, I remember that. God reminded me of so many little things along my life that God was trying to get my attention. Because no one can stand before God one day and point his finger at God and says, You're sending me a hell, but no one told me. No, no. God's good. And it's up to you to understand how good he is. I want to finish with this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Jesus comes. Jesus dies. Jesus rises again and goes back and says, but I won't leave you as an orphan. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. It's not over because Jesus went to heaven. Look what he says here. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And on that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in their prayers. I don't see anywhere in the whole gospel, in the whole epistles, and I'll, I'll challenge anyone to find it, where he doesn't say, we need to do this, but stay in fellowship, stay in fellowship, stay in fellowship. One another, with God, with the word. If the word became flesh and dwelt among us, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was God in the beginning. All things were made through him. There's nothing that wasn't made that was made. And in him was life and that life was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. If the beginning was the word, God spoke a word that the beginning was the Logos word, that's Jesus because he became flesh. If the word is Jesus, fellowship with Jesus and his word because that's who he is. Grace is a person. It's not just something you receive. It is something that we do receive, but it's a person. Imagine standing Jesus there and sinning in front of him, but I'm, oh, Lord, you showed me grace and you wouldn't sin in front of Jesus. Grace is not a cover-up for sin. Grace is the empowering, overcoming sin. And the more I spend time with him, the more I spend time with the fellowship and breaking of bread with one another, guess what I'm doing? I'm becoming like him. So who wants to be like Jesus? We'll never be Jesus, but our nature will become like him. We'll be like-minded. We'll be, we'll be in the spirit of God. Can we stand?